This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Oddities and Curiosities, a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. We are Amanda and Brittany. Hello. Hi. And that lovely sound you may hear in the background <laughs> is rain. <laughs> it is pouring its ass off. It just started right before we hit record. That's about right. I'm here for this. Mm -hmm. It is setting the mood. Yeah. Holy shit. It's spooky. It's, um, what episode is this? 84? 84. Oh my God, we're getting so old. Elderly as fuck. Oh. <laughs> we, we're inching up there. Oh my God. Okay. It's, um, episode 84 and we're talking about our little small town we have here called Shreveport. Shreveport, Louisiana. Yeah. yeah. 318. <laughs> It's so funny that you say that. <laughs> because, um, it's, it's hump day. <laughs> we still didn't make any noise. I know, I'm going to have to go. I like the new dances, though. That I'm gonna was I'm going to have cute. to go back to the burp for burp, though, because that's just it's weird. It's too quiet. Yeah. <laughs> it awkward. feels awkward. <laughs> Every now and then my chair will creak, though, so that's cool. I mean, we did have the rain as the backdrop noise. Whatever. Background. Yeah. That. That. Oh, it stopped. I hate it here. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> We're just little balls of sunshine today. We really are in um, exceptionally good moods. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It's just been a week. We had adulted so, a lot this we week. We adulted a lot this week. So we got drinks. Yep. I stuck to some local stuff. I know that this season we've um, been drinking more Barra, mm -hmm. but I got another one because the name of it is 318 and that's our area code. So well, how can you not? Yeah, I had to do that. And it's, it's kind of a basic light Michelob Ultra ish, a little bit of bitter. Yeah. But it's got, what's, what's it got? Honey and orange peel in it. Mm -hmm. And I like the aftertaste. It's by Great Raft Brewing mm -hmm. right here in Shreveport. And the reason I, oh, oh, I didn't tell the story about where I went. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I, I, was, I was Googling today. I couldn't figure out what alcoholic beverage to pick because I had the snack like locked down. So I Googled what is the oldest liquor store in Shreveport, Louisiana? Turns out it's Cuban liquor. They've been around since 1934. So they, oh my God, I love that place so much. They have um, a little deli bakery in the back and it smells so good it's all that bougie cheese and breads and i love bread oh my and God. cheese and then they do like wine baskets with it girl okay yeah so i'm walking through there and i found the 318 decided to stick with that and then hit up another historical restaurant here since, what, 1936? Mm -hmm. Is that what it said? Herbie K's. Yes. Got a shrimp buster and some french fries. Their shrimp busters oh are legit. Oh, my gosh. It's on French bread, and they butter it, and then you can put whatever you want on it. We chose uh, lettuce and tomato, and it's a no, giant lettuce and uh, mayo. mayo. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> And it's a giant uh, butterfly shrimp on top of it. Fried. That shit fried. Fried. And I got it extra crispy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was good. Those are gone. Mm-hmm. So now we're ready to tell you about some stuff. But first, go look at the socials. Do that. You can see pictures of this fabulous hump day tree. Mm hmm And case photos. Trivias. And then shenanigans. Yeah. We like the shenanigans. Yeah, we're starting more shenanigans. 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 Okay. Take another sip of beer. I'm gonna. Um, I'm just gonna let you talk for a little while. I'm gonna shut up. Okay. Okay. I didn't want to do something murdery today. I wanted to do something spooky. I've been missing the spooky. Me too. So I'm going to talk about some of the most haunted locations in Shreveport. I'm so excited. Y'all. Yeah. When I was doing my research, 
-hmm. and it was all said and done. Mm -hmm. I had 20 pages of notes. Mm. And so that's too much. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, well, a couple of these places are not like in Shreveport. They're surrounding Shreveport. So I was like, let me take those out. Yes. Eliminate that. And it was still like 15 pages. (laughs) So (laughs) I did some crafty editing and cut it in half. So I'll have to do the rest of them in another episode. Yeah. So I have four locations for you today. There's always room for more. Mm-hmm. I just, it, I, it was so hard to choose. I know, but I, I like your choices. I think yes. they were wisely done. And these are good ones to start with. Mm-hmm. And then I have four more for you guys at a later date. Yeah. So the one I'm going to start with, and there's a lot of history in this too, because I love it. Okay. So, sorry. I'm here for it. Sorry, not sorry, really. Deal with it. Yeah. We're going to learn shit today. Right. <laughs> We're going to get learnt. Learnt. Up and hill. <laughs> okay. The first location <laughs> is Shreveport Municipal Auditorium. The Shreveport Municipal Auditorium is located at 705 Grand Avenue in Shreveport, Louisiana. And oh boy, is it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She grand. Yes. Yes. <laughs> The 1920s Art Deco Auditorium is known for the Louisiana Hayride, which was a variety country music program. Yeah. Oh, Brittany does. That's why you said it like that. Country music (laughs) program. Okay. But so if you go look at the picture that just says municipal, that's the outside of the building. And I chose this photo because you can really see the Art Deco designs around the top. And even in the sidewalk in front of it, it's just fabulous. Oh yeah. Well, it it got restored. Thank mm-hmm. goodness. It it's was a, it was looking a little sad for a few years. It's a beautiful building, and I've even like taken photos with my photography stuff around that building. Although it has undergone many renovations over the years, this auditorium still has its original wooden stage. Yeah. Elvis Presley. Hank Williams, James Brown, and Johnny Cash are just a few of the famous names that have graced the stage in this treasured building, which first opened in 1929. Oh, my goodness. And I have a picture of Elvis playing on the stage with the Louisiana Hayride. Yeah. Hey, baby. There he is. That's why he was so cute. Uh Uh-huh. That's sexy, Elvis. That's sexy Elvis. Yeah, he's he was always cute, but that's sexy that's Elvis. not rhinestones and Vegas. serial killer glasses. And that was not a, terrible choices. <laughs> <laughs> the three thousand two hundred seat auditorium uh, hosted a range of concerts, plays, boxing matches, and circus acts. Yeah. So I have real quick a picture of the inside, which keeps the same. Art Deco decor, and this is a picture from the stage looking out into the auditorium. Oh, it's so beautiful. Look at the light fixtures. Mm-hmm. It's so fabulous. Oh, it's gorgeous. The building was also entangled in World War II. I didn't know any of this part, so it was super cool to me. Okay. Offices upstairs became barracks, while the basement housed an early aircraft warning system that came to be known as the radar. Oh, shut up! The building was the point of departure for young men shipped off to battle, as well as their point of return, whether alive or deceased. Oh. The basement later served as a city clinic and morgue. Shut up. Yeah. And there's a whole other side tangent about that. Yeah. If y'all want to, you know, deep dive into it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So they offer tours. Of the, like, haunted tours Mm -hmm, of the building. mm -hmm. When you take the tour, you'll learn about the paranormal history and hear about all of the spooky interactions guests and staff members have had throughout the years. From disembodied voices to objects moving, this is one place you would hate to be in alone. It is said to be haunted by an apparition of a young man who sits in the seats. He is thought to be the ghost of a boxer who died in a car accident on the way to his first match that was to be held at the municipal. Oh, I know. Another ghost appears as a face peering through the windows and the doors that lead to the floor seat. That's not okay. Mm -mm, I don't like it. Why do you have to be a creepy ghost? I know. You peeper. (laughs) (laughs) Doors have been reported to open and close by themselves. Eh. And this one, it has been reported, so I'm going to report it. I don't know how much I believe in this story, but I'm going to tell you. So, an elderly tour guide reported feeling someone take her hand and place it safely on the banister as she was using the stairs. 
Not believing she needed the banister, she moved her hand and was picked up and placed at the end of the steps. Okay. Yeah. Of course, she was alone. She always used the hand roll after that. Yeah. Okay. 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 If you got picked. Now, I can believe you feeling somebody move your hand. Mm Mm-hmm. But getting, but picking you up, a whole, whole lifting just, your body up off the. Oh no! Oh no! I need to see it. <laughs> yeah, picks or it didn't happen. <laughs> That's why we go to the socials. Mm-hmm. Yet another ghost is heard in the basement, where witnesses claim to hear her crying. She is thought to be a former pregnant guest who went into labor during a show. Oh, no. Yeah. And I'm guessing maybe that didn't turn out well if she's still there crying. I don't know. Or maybe it's like a residual haunting and just the trauma from that happening. You know, her going into labor somewhere and her being scared just left like a residual Mm -hmm. energy. Mm Mm-hmm. Many have said that Elvis appears on the stage at times. Some have reported seeing a pretty blonde lady backstage whose identity is unknown. And another of the hauntings is said to be a child who likes to play peekaboo with the balcony door in the main lobby. Okay. That's kind of cute. Yeah. That's super cute. Uh, I'll do that. The municipal has been featured on Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters and Discovery Channel's Ghost Lab. The Shreveport Municipal Auditorium is a national landmark known internationally for its music history. I didn't know it was on Ghost Lab. Me neither. I never watched Ghost Lab, so Uh -uh. I wouldn't know that. But I knew it was on Ghost Hunters. Yeah. And that they had caught some shadows. Yeah. And thought they heard voices or whatever, but they thought they heard stuff everywhere. So, you know, whatevs. But I used... (laughs) I mean... Back in the day... (laughs) I used to have herbal refreshments and watch Ghost Hunters until yes. until I got too scared and paranoid, and then I'd have to turn it off. <laughs> and look at you now. I know. <laughs> I'm growing. <laughs> so, I have visited the municipal. I have watched mm-hmm. an MMA fight there. Oh, really? I've actually watched two MMA fights there. I've watched, uh, I went to a concert there. Mm-hmm. And Same. I feel, oh, and I went to this like local talent show thing. There. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. A friend of mine, uh, who is an artist got free tickets from the regional arts council for this like talent show thing. So we got to go watch people sing and Hell dance. Yes. And, yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah. They had like a juggler and stuff. Okay. Like it was all kinds of like random cool shit. Like it was pretty neat. But I visited the municipal several times. Nothing ever happened to me. I know. But I love that building. Uh, yeah, it, it is definitely worth going to see. Mm-hmm. Go to an event there. It's even better. Yeah. Concerts in there are fantastic. I uh, saw Harry Connick Jr. there. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I just remembered something else I saw there, but you can't laugh at me. Oh, I'm gonna. When Ashton was two... We went and saw Baby Shark Live. <laughs> oh, God. Y'all, the excitement that children have for Baby Shark is ridiculous, and I'll never be able to explain it. Oh, God. If I never hear that song again. It was horrific. Thank goodness he grew out of that rather quickly. <sighs> yeah, I think that trend kind of died but down. He stood on God. my lap and pulled my hair and jumped up and down to Baby Shark for two hours. Like it, Two hours? They, they have a whole array of songs. Fuck you. It's ridiculous. Uh-uh. And I need my special gummies for that one. It cost an arm and a leg to go. Yeah, of course it did. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyhow, <laughs> Municipal's great. Go there. Okay, now where are we okay. going? The Spring Street Historical Museum. Ooh, I've never been... I have. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yes, I'll tell you about it at the end. Okay. The Spring Street Historical Museum operates inside the late 1800s Tally's Bank Building at 525 Spring Street in Shreveport, Louisiana. The Spring Street Historical Museum describes itself on its website as being a, quote, museum in an 1860s bank building tracing Shreveport's history with diverse exhibits and artifacts. Yes. It is the oldest building in Shreveport. Is it really? Yes. Oh, my God. This historical building was restored according to its 1886 structure, complete with a bank vault. Sweet. The main floor is filled. Oh. You want to go look at a, a photo? Let's go look at a picture. <laughs> 
I got excited. I was I'm like, sorry. I was like, wait, it's, <laughs> but we can keep going. So this is the it's so cute. It looks like it belongs in New Orleans. I know that was the point of the architecture. Um, mm-hmm. They call it a New Orleans style balcony, but it's just that that end part where the balcony is is the museum. That's the old bank building. I love it. Yeah, I can't believe I've never been there. That's stupid. It's so cool. The main floor is filled with many interesting historical exhibits. So if you want to look one more again yeah. at the one that says Museum 2. Okay. This is just a picture of uh, a wall of exhibits in there. Ooh. So the Ooh. first one says Early Industries, Oil, Timber, and Cotton. The other one, I can't read. It's too blurry. I'm trying to zoom in. I don't know. Commerce or yeah, commerce and something. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, they've got There's lots blurry. of little cool um, oh, they do. vignettes and exhibits and, and stuff in there. It's a neat little place. Okay. She ain't very big, but she's pretty cool. The second floor room, just above the main floor, is a beautiful 1886 living space with doors that open onto the New Orleans-style porch. Yes. It is a place to stay. Not now. What? You, <laughs> At that point in time when it was a bank, it was a place to stay overnight as well as an office to talk business or have meals brought in since there was also a dining area. Oh, I got excited. Yeah, you can't you can't spend the night there. Don't don't do it. There is a basement which is now used for storage and a workshop. Okay. I've even been in the basement. Ooh. Yeah. The journey of this building started with the immigration of two Jewish men looking for a better life in America. Ephraim Jacoby was born in 1822 in southern Germany. At the age of 22, in 1844, he immigrated to America with his brother Benjamin. Hi. When they arrived in Shreveport, why you would go from Germany to Shreveport? Uh, they didn't um, know any better. Yeah. <laughs> it was the 1800s. It, I guess it was like kind of a uh, kind of a hub. A, it was port city. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> When they arrived in Shreveport, they changed their name from Jacoby to Jacobs. Ephraim Mm. changed his name to Edward, I guess to seem less Jewish because they were afraid, you know, they were fleeing because of their religious beliefs. So I'm sure that that's probably why they did it here. They were trying to fly under the radar, I guess. And um little side note, yeah. I had no idea how big of a Jewish population Shreveport had. Like, there's a whole Jewish cemetery in downtown Shreveport. Yeah. Like, it's beautiful. I had, I know. <laughs> and spooky. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that. So I, I, get, I don't know. I just thought that was really cool. I had not thought about it. Well, like, like, I really, you know. Well, me neither, but I, I, I didn't knew. put two and two together. I knew I only, like, personally knew one person here in Shreveport that's Jewish, you know, that uh, is very open about her religion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I didn't personally know anyone else. And so when I found out about that on a haunted tour and we went and visited the Jewish cemetery, I was like, oh my goodness. But because this was a port city and people were coming in from everywhere, yeah. there were so many immigrants here from all different places. So I just thought that was really cool. Yes. Diverse. This. They opened a store on Spring Street and sold groceries, dry goods, hardware, and liquor. They were friendly and personable, making a lot of friends in Shreveport. The people appreciated their intelligence and work ethic. Their store flourished over the years, but a bank was really what Shreveport needed. Yeah. During the construction, Ed got the first banking charter in 1866 and opened First National Bank of Shreveport in the Jacobs Family Building. So they built that building specifically for the bank. Okay. After Ed died and the bank closed, for years, insurance companies made good use of this building. Good. The last business who opened there was a successful bar. Shit, yeah. And I didn't have time to dive more into that, but I'd like to know. Ooh. The bar had an exclusive space in the basement. That's what the ooh was. So I'm thinking maybe it was a speakeasy sort of situation. Hell yeah. And I was like, ah, better find out more about that. And the the secret entrance. Yeah, something. Maybe they had a knock. Ooh, I want to know what the knock was. Mm Mm-hmm. 
In the early 70s, the building was donated to the Shreveport Committee of the National Society of Colonial Dames of America. No. That's a name. Swedish. The S-C-N-S-C-D-A. That's not any better. No. It's not better. Really not. The museum opened in 1977 with the stairway and the second floor space dedicated to the life of the Jacobs family. Okay. So if you want to go, I got one more picture. It says Museum 3. Yeah. And that's the space that they've dedicated as like the family living space with authentic time period furniture. Yeah. I would like to go sit and have tea. Well, you can't because there's ropes there. I can't. Those ropes can't hold me back. <laughs> You're a rebel. <laughs> yeah. Have you not heard? No. It has a <laughs> it has a resident ghost thought to be Edward Jacobs. Cool. One story about Edward says that an employee was about to climb a ladder when he saw the heavy front door open by itself. Mm-hmm. Startled, he went to check on the door, but no one was around. When he went back to the ladder, he saw that it wasn't set up properly. He believes he would have fallen if the ghost hadn't stopped him from climbing it. Well, thank you, Edward. Mm-hmm. Staff and visitors have had personal experiences since the building has been restored. A Shreveport Paranormal Investigation Group investigated the museum in 2013. I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, where are you and who are you? Let's look up. <laughs> where are you? <laughs> <laughs> they saw a shadow in the basement and got an EVP of a small boy. Oh. They also got two EVPs from the spirit of Ed Jacobs. Okay. They asked him what his name was and how many people were in the room, and he answered both questions correctly. Oh, my God. Footsteps have been heard on the second floor while being on the first floor, and no one's on the second floor. Okay. The museum curator used the small office just off the top of the stairs that led to the second floor. A spirit liked to pet her hair. No. When she asked Ed to stop, he did. Okay. His presence is strongly felt on the second floor. He seems to enjoy sitting on one of the comfortable chairs. Yeah, we could sit and have tea and hang out. He can pet my hair. (laughs) It's creepy. That's a little weird. That's a little weird. But nobody else will brush my hair for me. I mean, I I I don't hate it. Like, can I lay my head in your lap and you can play with my hair? Yeah. I, I think I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm really not hating it. And he seems to be nice, and he yeah. stops yeah. when you ask him to. So, okay, we go I'm hang out with Ed. I like this plan. Yeah. So, <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> so, I went to the Spring Street Museum one time because a friend of mine had said, Hey, I just heard they're doing this paranormal talk at the museum. Do you want to go? Yes. And so we went and we went up to the second floor and they have a meeting space up there. Okay. And so we went up there and had this whole lecture from an author and professor. I think she's a professor at Centenary about paranormal activity in Shreveport and talked about a lot of different places in Shreveport. And it was so neat, especially like our surroundings also. It was just a small group of people. There was maybe 12 people there. Ooh. And, uh, and then she read a little excerpt from her newest book that had come out at the time. And then we went on a tour of the museum. So we looked around the second floor, and then we went and looked at all the exhibits, and then we even got to go down to the basement. That is so cool. The basement's creepy. I definitely want to go to the basement. The basement's creepy. That's the only place that I felt uneasy. Okay. Was in the basement. I didn't see anything or hear anything or whatever. But you know how when you enter a space, you just kind of feel, feel it. like it's... It the feels draining. Yeah. Yeah. You just... Automatically definitely shifts tired and just want to leave the space. That's how I felt. It was like gave me anxiety. I'm shoving a French fry in my mouth. Have fun. Mm -hmm. And then we went on a walking tour of the cemetery that's over there by the municipal after that. So like it was pretty cool. Definitely. Definitely need to do that. Y'all should check out that little tiny museum. It's a neat, a neat spot. It's pretty cute. Oh, I'm excited about the next one. The next place. Is the Caddo Parish Penal Farm, or the Pea Farm, as it's so lovingly called. <laughs> Most prisons are notorious for being haunted and holding negative energy due to years of depression, abuse, and violence. Oh. 
The abandoned Caddo Parish Penal Farm, a.k.a. the P Farm, <laughs> is known to be one of the most haunted places in Louisiana. Yeah. The P Farm is located deep in the woods of Shreveport off of West 70th Street and is a grim reminder of the horrors, horrors Horror. and lost souls the prison has held for many decades. I have a picture. It doesn't really show much because nature has definitely taken over. Oh, yeah. But here's one of the one of the walls of the building. Oh, my God. Yeah, you really can't. And that's pretty much all that's left. Yeah. It's a it's a shell of a building, really. It's so sad. Yeah, but this place was fucked up. Yeah, it was. The prison was built in 1905 to house minimal security offenders, and the inmates worked the acres of the fields for their food. The crops grown there were not just to feed the prisoners, but to fund the prison. It was also said that the defiant prisoners that didn't work the fields did not get fed. Ew. You, you don't work, you don't eat. Behind, well, okay. Yeah. Mm. The, um, this place was pretty fucking yeah, brutal. I didn't, I didn't know the history of it. I just knew how people around here talk about it being haunted. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. all the stuffs. And it was like, oh my God, this place was fucked up. Oh, I see a lot of bad words mm-hmm. coming up. Okay. I'm just going to let you go. When they tore the women's prison down... They sent the women over to the pea farm, so they were housed in the same building as the men. Oh, my God. Okay. Many of the women were subjected to abuse, both physical and sexual, from the guards. Nope. Mm-hmm. Living on the pea farm was not easy for anyone. The inmates were subjected to neglect and torture at times. Brutality from the guards was not uncommon. Many of the inmates were beaten to death. Some were shackled to the walls if they got into trouble. Next to the prison was the Potter Cemetery where the inmates were buried, the ones that died in prison. Mm-hmm. Some say there are unmarked graves on the land, and the prison was shut down in the mid-1950s. I saw in some articles where they said they believe there's so many unmarked graves that if you stuck a shovel anywhere on the property, you were going to hit a body. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Like, it's it, it's bad, because they oh. tried to cover up the abuse and neglect. Yeah. So they just... Oop, there's a body. Yeah, pretty ah, much. Fuck. The old jail is reported to be haunted by former inmates, especially in the women's section of the jail. Yeah, they're pissed. Yeah. I'd be pissed too. Rightfully so. Those that have been that bleh, those that have visited the property report creepy old jail cells, some still adorned with shackles mounted on the walls. Oh my god. So I have a picture of the inside, but <gasps> I think I didn't find one of a jail cell like I really wanted. Oh, but this looks like maybe it was like a main area, like a wreck area. Probably. Yeah. Oh, there are other pictures of graffiti filled hallways. Mm hmm. Just trying to make out what some of that is. But (laughs) yeah. Wow. Yeah. But it looks like a neat spot. I'd go hang out there. They claim to have been touched by unseen hands and hear the sounds of moaning and sobbing. Oh. The apparitions of black shadowed figures have also been reported. No, and that's no, never good. No, no, never mind. Many of the people that dared to go out there at night have experienced most of the paranormal activity. Those wishing to view it for themselves should be aware that the jail is owned by the G by the GE plant next door, and they do call the cops and prosecute anyone who is found trespassing. Well, okay. So that's why I've never been, because I would love to go take pictures there. Yeah. What if we could get permission? Probably not. Probably not, but maybe. We're we're podcasters. Maybe they'll let us go for work purposes. Look, we have 84 episodes. We're, like, legit. Uh Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Uh-uh. So I've never been out there. I've always wanted to. Yeah, I was always too scared. Yeah, but I don't want to... Go to jail? I really don't want to go to jail. I don't think I'd hold up well. I hear they don't deliver Starbucks. So I don't know what I'd do with myself. We had to ask for toilet paper. Okay. The whole five hours you were in jail, you had to ask for toilet paper? Yes. Was it five hours? It was four. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd never make it. I'd never make it. No. I would not either. Okay, I've got one more spot, one more My place. My favorite. This one is the Ellerby Road School. I grew up right around the corner from this place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never been there either. Oh my god! 
1957, a new school opened near Shreveport, Louisiana at the end of Ellerby Road. This was during the final decade of segregation, so this school was only opened for African-American students. Okay. A state-of-the-art school at the time, it was named George Washington Carver Primary School. Mm-hmm. The school was located a ways away from the more populated areas of Shreveport, and it struggled to attract greater numbers of students. Oh, yeah, it's way out there. When desegregation slowly washed over the South, the Caddo Parish School Board hoped that an influx of white students might boost the school's population. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, and the school was forced to close its doors in 1973. Yeah. In 1981, Baptist Tabernacle. <laughs> I love that word. <laughs> Tabernacle. <laughs> That's, it sounds dirty. I'm Barnacle. Sorry. <laughs> Barnacle. <laughs> uh, leased the old school as a satellite campus for the Louisiana Baptist University, a place where full-time Baptist ministers could complete theological degrees. The campus, again, struggled to attract students, possibly due to its secluded location. Yeah. The college closed its doors four years later and moved to a different location. The little old school on Ellerby Road lay abandoned and forgotten. I have a picture of the outside of the building. Yeah. It says Ellerby. Yeah. You can't see too much. Yeah, you can't even see this much anymore. Nature has definitely taken Nature that over as well. taken over drastically. Oh, makes that, me want to go back. That uh, column in the front has posted like no trespassing signs all over. Uh huh. Uh huh. Now they're up at the top because that's all you can see. <laughs> <laughs> Less than a decade later, rumors would start about the closure of the school. Mm-hmm. The abandoned building showed signs of a fire in what was once the elementary school's gymnasium and auditorium. Okay, what I'm about to tell you is according to gossip, it has never been proven. This is just one of those things that people pass around. I know. It's just gossip. But there's, uh, look. It's popular gossip around here, but it's very unlikely that this happened. Well, if you go there, you might believe differently. I'm not saying there's no evidence of fire. (laughs) But I'm saying... There's little footprints everywhere. Oh, my God, Amanda. I went through the day. There's little footprints everywhere. I'm just saying homeless people probably caused the fire. Well, yeah, most likely. And then they were like, oh, where'd this fire come from? And this story erupted into the ginormous story that is now. Yes. So here's (laughs) the story that Amanda's fighting for so hard. According to gossip, I like it better. A janitor named Quentin Gimple began molesting children attending classes there. Eventually, students went missing and the authorities were growing restless to find the culprit. Worried about losing more potential students as parents pulled their children out of school, the school board tried to hush up the incidents while authorities quietly searched for the abductor. The janitor grew less mentally stable as he felt them getting closer until one day he took several of the children he had recently abducted, placed them in the auditorium, and set the place on fire. He was never heard from again and was believed to have burned along with the children. Again, there's no evidence of this. No. But it does make there for is a pretty giant interesting story. hole in the floor and the ceiling of the gym. Giant. Okay. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It could. There is also a water <laughs> there's also a water tower on the property. That's creepy as fuck. That it's said those that are brave enough to climb the ladder can see their reflection on the day they die. Probably because your dumbass is about to fall off the fucking cr- water I'm tower. I'm not climbing that rusty old little bitty water tower. Hell no. No. I no, can't believe you went no. here in the first place. At night, during the day, several times. Yeah. Is this how you went to jail? Is this why you went to jail? No, this is actually not. I never got caught being there. Actually, we did get caught being there one night, but the officers let us go. Stories continue of ghostly children still attending courses. Visitors have reported hearing school bells, children screaming in pain or crying for their mothers, and crazed maniacal laughter while exploring the crumbling old structure. Mm -hmm. I have a picture of the inside of the cafeteria. Yep. So it's nothing but moss covered all over the floor because the ceiling has caved in. Oh, yeah. um, And the windows are blown out. But that's what's left of the cafeteria. There's still some desks in the uh, classrooms and stuff. 
I couldn't find cool. any classroom pictures. I did find um, hallway pictures, but they were covered in graffiti and lots of bad words. Yeah. And I didn't think the Facebook would like that. So I chose this picture instead. No, that's a good one. Some I can't people believe I never took photos. Because you were an ignorant oh, I, teenager not thinking about that's that. That's true. And if you did take them, it was probably on your disposable camera. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and half of them have your thumb in it and it's fine <laughs> some people have reported feeling an overbearing presence watching them at all times or being touched by invisible hands mm -hmm. this is another location that is posted no trespassing and having people watch the property so like police patrol there at one time there was a man that lived on the property yeah just don't go there you'll go to jail <sighs> So Can't stop me. That's my story. You're going to go now? Right now. Let's go. I want you to tell me how many years ago it's been since the last time you went. Um, I took my oldest daughter and her boyfriend when she was at least maybe a sophomore in high school. So Okay, so that's more recent than I thought. Yeah. Sophomore or junior in high school. So back in, what was that, 2016 maybe? Yeah, that's more recent than I would have guessed. Yeah. I figured you were going to be like 30 years ago no, when I was in high no, school. No, like I've, I've been, like, yeah, no, I go. <laughs> they wanted to know what it looked like, so we took them. Google. Google doesn't, so, mm -mm. It, didn't, it doesn't show all the good stuff. That's what I'm saying. I cannot believe I have never taken pictures. And you wonder where your demon came from. Girl, I've had my demon way before that. It's been around with me since I was born. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, then you were fucked from the beginning. I have no help for you. Yeah. All right. Oh, that's my story. And you're sticking to it. <laughs> yep. That's it. That's all I got. That was really good. Thank really, you. really, really good. Good job. Um, God. Well, I didn't do spooky stuff. I did a horrible human being, though. You know. Equivalent. Equivalent. It, it works. Um, you Actually, no. A, yours is worse. It's It's pretty gross. Last week I did a crime in Shreveport as well. Ugh. Yeah, you did. I did. Let's just jump right into it. I'm doing Danny Rawlings. Okay. <laughs> She's been itching to do this I, one. Ever since we went to the Museum of Death mm -hmm. and we saw his letters, Yeah. I was like, oh my God, this dude. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. When a killer brought chaos to the University of Florida over the course of three days in 1990, the city of Gainesville responded with heightened security steps. Door locks were reinforced. New alarms were installed around campus. Walking escorts were provided to students who wanted one if traveling after dark. Mm -hmm. um, yes, please. Yeah. Still, students remained on edge as several of their friends and fellow classmates had their lives ripped away by an unknown killer. Later learned to be... Shreveport, Louisiana's very own Daniel Danny Harold Rawling. Okay. Let's go look at a photo of Danny. Okay. Um, I tried to find a better photo, <laughs> but he makes this face a lot. That's Danny. Okay. I had a different picture in my head. I don't know where it came from. It's an unfortunate either. hairline. Yeah. He's had it for a while. I mean, these are pictures of him in court and everything, but yeah. all of the photos are basically <laughs> him making that face. That's just his face. <laughs> all right. In total, Rawling, who was branded the Gainesville Ripper before his identity was known, murdered five young adults who all lived along the same road. Four were University of Florida students. One attended neighboring Santa Fe Community College. That's how many he'd killed in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> the names of the students have been memorialized in on a panel of the quarter mile long 34th Street graffiti wall in Gainesville created by local artists. Oh, that's cool. The panel says, remember 1990, visitors to the wall still leave flowers nearby. I have a photo of it. It is really cool. Oh, yeah. There's just different sections of random stuff, and then they have this one, and I love it. That's really sweet. Mm -hmm. I like it. I do, too. Good job. This killer had a style about him. Don Maines, a retired investigator for the Florida Department of Law Enforcement and a 1973 UF graduate, tells A&E True Crime. 
The crime scenes with victims left in suggestive poses were orchestrated to shock the first person to stumble upon them, he says. Mm, how nice. Yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. Okay. Let's do a little bit of background first. Okay. So, he was born on May 26, 1954, to Claudia and James Rawling in Shreveport, Louisiana. Unfortunately for Danny, his father never wanted children. Oh, no. He was a police officer, and he consistently abused his wife and children. Danny was only one year old when his father abused him for the first time. He was beaten because he wasn't crawling properly. Oh, my fuck. When Kevin, Danny's younger brother, was born in 1955, the abuse only got worse. Claudia tried to escape the toxic marriage, but time and time again, she returned. When Danny failed the third grade for too many absences due to illness, illness, Mm -hmm. his mother had a nervous breakdown. Danny's school counselors described him as suffering from an inferiority complex with aggressive tendencies and poor impulse control. Well, I wonder why. By 11, Danny picked up music to cope with his abusive father. Good, good route. Mm-hmm. He played guitar and sang him like songs. About this time, his mother was committed to a hospital because she had attempted suicide and slit her wrists. Danny then picked up drugs and alcohol, which only worsened his already fragile mental state. He really didn't have a chance. He really didn't. It's really sad. He really didn't catch a break in, in a lot of stuff. At age 14, Danny's neighbors caught him peeping into their daughter's room. Mm-hmm. Of course, his father beat him for doing that. But Danny tried to stay in control, and he attended church and struggled to hold down steady work. He then enlisted. As they all do. The Navy wouldn't take him, so he joined the Air Force. But the military provided him no comfort. He eventually quit after too much drug use. Following his discharge from the military, Danny managed to marry a woman named Omather Halko mm-hmm. and begin what appeared to be a normal life. But the union collapsed after the couple had a daughter. At age 23, after being with his wife for four years, she separated from him after he threatened to kill her. Of course. Good job, Queen. Yeah, peace out, Girl Scout. That was in um, 1977. His wife would later resurface to testify at her ex-husband's trial for the prosecution. Of course. (laughs) Good job again, Queen. Yeah. (laughs) Danny turned his devastation into anger and raped a woman who closely resembled his ex-wife. Later Mm -hmm. that year, he killed a woman in a car accident, which troubled him further. That was actually an accident. Mm Mm-hmm. At six foot two, Danny Rowling was a massive, powerful man. From the late 1970s to 1990s, he committed a series of petty crimes and thefts. He turned to a series of armed robberies to get cash and subsequently was in and out of criminal justice systems in Louisiana, Mississippi, Georgia, and Alabama. So, of course, naturally, he was headed towards Florida. Yeah. I mean, it's the straight path. Mm -hmm. He broke out of prison several times and was fired and quit jobs just as frequently. He broke out of prison. Broke out of prison several times. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Do better prison system. <sighs> you you would think they'd mm. maybe after he did it twice, even once. They'd keep a little closer eye <laughs> yeah, on him. Yeah, might want to put him in, you know, like a stronger cell or, mm-hmm. you know. Something. Meanwhile, the bodies of three victims were found in Shreveport. 24-year-old Julie Grissom, her father Tom Grissom, and her nephew... Eight-year-old Sean, Hmm. who were all killed around the time Danny lost his last job and returned home in vengeance. I have a photo of the Shreveport victims, just Julie and Sean. Oh, It was in the Shreveport Times. That's so sad. Very, very sad. Tom's body was slumped against the door, blocking the entrance to the utility room when the police showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, he had several stab wounds in his back and chest, and he had been cooking steaks on the backyard grill sometime that evening. They Aww. were just chilling out. Normal family night. Sean was found face down in the family room with one knife wound to his back that ex- exited through his chest. He was attacked while watching TV. Mm. Julie's body was found naked and partially hanging off a bed. She was stabbed at least three times in the back, but was left facing up. Vinegar was applied to her body. That evening, she was planning to go out to a high school friend's wedding and had picked out a red dress. 
Oh, I hate it. I hate all of it. So (laughs) he broke in May of 1990. If that wasn't enough, he shot his 58-year-old father twice and nearly killed him. Though he survived, James had lost an eye and an ear. Well, that was karma for him, but... Yeah. I mean, it's still not cool. Yeah, I mean, it's still horrible, but... (laughs) Danny then changed his identity with papers he stole after breaking into someone's house. He fled Shreveport and took a bus to Sarasota, Florida to start a new life as Michael Kennedy Jr. in late July of 1990. But running away to Florida didn't cure him. It made him worse. Of course, because he felt invincible because he had a new name. Yeah. So here we go. On August 24th, 1990, Danny broke into the home of Sanja Larson and Christina Powell, both incoming freshmen at the University of Florida in Gainesville. Rawling followed them home, broke into their house, and simply overpowered them. Thus began the streak of the Gainesville Ripper. He covered both the young woman's mouths with duct tape before he bound their hands. He forced one young woman to perform sexual acts on him before he raped, stabbed, and killed her. Okay. He returned to Sanja's dead body and raped her again. No, thank you, please. He liked to mutilate the breasts mm-hmm. and keep that part as a trophy. Mm-hmm. So that's that. he did that. The next day, he killed Krista Hoyt. In much of the same fashion, he broke into her residence and after he raped and mutilated her body, as the same as he did to the other girls, it's gross, and he cut off her head and set her upright on the edge of her bed, and then he put her head on a bookshelf looking at the body. Ugh. Yep. By now, news of the murders had spread across the university. Authorities put out as much information as they could to try to catch the suspect, and the students slept in groups and took every precaution they could think of. Despite this, the Ripper killed one more time. On August 27th, Rawling attacked Tracy Pauls and Manuel Taboda, both 23. He killed Taboda while he slept. Then he killed Tracy. Authorities feel Rawling did not manage to mutilate these bodies because he may have been in danger of getting caught or he was otherwise interrupted. Don't know. These murders all occurred less than two miles from each other around the University of Florida. I have a photo of the university victims. So they were all brunettes. D- yeah. Mm-hmm. They sure were. I didn't even realize that. Huh. Or kiddos. The hair. I hate it. Yes, the hair is fabulous. All of it. The bangs. I know, but I do hate it. Toad's 90s. Yeah. Let's let's keep moving on. That that's that's pretty much all the horrible stuff. Okay, good. Okay. During his rampage, anxious students began to sleep with knives in their beds. The state dispatched troopers and agents to the campus from every arm of the law enforcement. The university consequently canceled classes for a week. That's probably a good idea. Yeah. Students brought baseball bats with them everywhere they went, and no one out, no one went out alone during the day or at night. Students triple locked doors, and some slept in shifts, so someone was awake at all times. Like, this is insane. Yeah. By the end of August, thousands of students left campus, and over 700 never came back because they feared for their lives. Yeah. yeah. That's what I would have done. Good idea. I would have just gone home. Uh, peace out. I'm not coming back. Okay, so Maine's... The law enforcement guy. Mm-hmm. He was also part of that group on campus of law enforcement, and he would eventually connect the Gainesville crimes to the murders of the three members of the Shreveport murders. Okay. So, yeah. Here's the thing, though. Danny's father not only taught his son how to take abuse all of his life, but he also taught Danny how to cover his tracks. So police couldn't find enough evidence at crime scenes to implicate Danny. Yeah. Instead of leaving duct tape um, on the bodies, he disposed of it in dumpsters to get rid of any fingerprints. He also used cleaning solvents on the dead bodies to remove any traces of semen. Some of the female bodies were left in sexually suggestive positions, which offered authorities a clue into the killer's method. The triple murder in Shreveport of Julie Grissom, her father and nephew, clued the Gainesville police into their suspect. He would put them, like, at the edge of their bed, spread eagle. hmm So, 
that was kind of like a calling card. Yeah. So he continued to steal from homes and gas stations until he was finally caught in Ocala um, after a high-speed chase. He was wanted for the robbery of a Winn-Dixie, as authorities still oh did not know that he was the Gainesville Ripper. That was on September 8th, two weeks after the murders. Okay. That The tip that finally cracked the case came from a woman who phoned in to the Crime Stoppers hotline in November of 1990. See, Crime Stoppers <laughs> does work. <laughs> it really does work. Cindy Jurakic yeah. of Shreveport, Louisiana, was traveling through the Florida Panhandle when she heard about the university deaths. Her mind turned to a man she knew from her hometown church. Interesting. Their murders were eerily similar to those three others that occurred in Shreveport in 1989. She said she thought of Rawling, who just a few months after the murders in their community, said something something deeply disturbing to her then-husband, Stephen Dobin. He come out, like, they hung out with this guy uh, in their house. That. He came over every night for a while. And Could then, you imagine? No, no, no. Like, oh, my yeah. God. Well, okay, so he used to come over, and then one night her husband was like, "He no, this bro's got to go." She was like, "Why?" He's like, "He he he's got issues. He he said he likes to stick knives into people." Okay, so yeah, he was talking about it even back then. She said she dismissed these comments because when she heard about them, um, she didn't want to believe that he could be responsible for that. Right. I mean, she let him into her house. Oh, that would make me sick to my stomach. Oh, yeah. It it haunted her. So that's why she decided to contact the police. And it um, actually launched an investigation. So they set out to locate him. And it didn't take long because he was in jail in Marion County, about 40 miles from Gainesville. (laughs) He had been arrested for robbing the Winn-Dixie. That damn (laughs) Winn-Dixie. They caught him. He was named the prime suspect in the Gainesville murders in May 1991 on the strength of DNA evidence. Okay, so while he was in jail, they did a mandatory DNA test on several inmates. And that's how they got his DNA. And it matched the evidence that was at the crime scene. Okay, so he did end up leaving something behind. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I don't know what, but it was enough. Mm Mm-hmm. His trial for the student murders began on February 15th, 1994. It was expected to last six weeks and include information from nearly 7,000 task force reports totaling 100,000 pages. That's a lot. They was ready. Mm-hmm. But instead, he admitted to the student murders on the very first day. He was like, oh, y'all are overprepared. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> All that work for <laughs> nothing. Ha! Huh? Waste of your time. well uh, I mean it didn't go so well for him oh no the jury recommended five death sentences for him he sat on death row for more than a decade frustrating the family members of his victims don't you a little wasting dollars Mm -hmm. and stuff I get it I get it but don't worry he wasn't lonely can't leave out the part about him and Sandra London. Okay. Sandra London is a true crime author and freelance journalist who is most known for being the fiance of Danny Rowling. Oh, people are ridiculous. She actually wrote a book about him. The Making of a Serial Killer, The Real Story of the Gainesville Murders. That's how they met each other because mm-hmm. she wanted to write this book. So they started corresponding through letters But they finally met, and she said instantly sparks flew. Gross. She was not expecting to see such a fine-looking man. (laughs) And um, he reminded her that she was a woman, and this is a man. He made her loins quiver. (laughs) I literally cannot. I cannot. He got her going. Oh, my stars. So they got engaged in 1993. It seemed to be genuine love, and she supported him through everything. The feeling was mutual. He fell in love with her as well. He said, my relationship with her runs as deep as the Amazon River. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) She's an extremely exciting woman. My feelings for her are my feelings. Just the mention of her name sends my heart racing to her. She is without a doubt my soulmate, and I thank God above for sending her my way. What a poet. (laughs) 
My <laughs> fuck. Deep as the Amazon River. <laughs> Why not the Red River? I mean, it's pretty deep. You're from Shreveport. You're from Shreveport. <laughs> what are you doing? Anyways, but prosecutors found an, there's a whole another rabbit hole on that. I just mm-hmm. touched on it. it. It's another kind of Ted Bundy thing. <laughs> but she's alive and well, living in Black Mountain, North Carolina. Okay. I'm here for that. Kind of, she's kind of secluded. I don't know nothing about Black Mountain. I don't know, so, but it's right. called Black Mountain, so I just like it. I can't be her friend, though. But it can't be I ugly. I can't like her. No. No, honey, what do you... Well, that's not the only um, murderer that she dated and wrote a book about. I know. It's ridiculous. It, she's <laughs> she's kind of a groupie. She's ridiculous. <laughs> but don't worry. They found enough evidence to convict him and was subsequently executed on October 25th in 2006 in Florida. A total of 47 people witnessed the execution, and which is double the capacity of the viewing room. They was packed in there. Ugh. His last meal consisted of a lobster tail served with drawn butter, butterfly shrimp with cocktail sauce, a baked potato with sour cream and butter, strawberry cheesecake, and sweet tea. We had butterfly shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> on his deathbed, the 52-year-old sang a hymn-type song that rambled on for five verses. He called on the old tunes of his childhood while he learned how to play guitar to find peace before his execution. Deuces. The end. <laughs> well, that was great. You did a great job on such a horrible human. Thank you. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's pretty bad. Yeah, he sucks. He never had a chance to begin with, and it's really sad. But um, there are lots of people that have similar upbringings that don't grow but up don't to be garbage. Don't go that way. So, I don't know. It is it, what it, it is. It was his coping mechanism i don't do better get you a stress ball mental health is important buy your therapist yeah that's what joey taranto <laughs> says know. all right let's it do sticks. some trivia oh yeah let's do some trivia what was our question last week i don't know yet okay well i'll go ahead and tell you the winners okay while you're getting that out so on instagram we have miss shannon williams good job good job ma'am you're at uh seven now Tied with Miss Bonnie Cole. Oh, snap. Oh, they're tied now. Yeah. Yep, they is tied now. The heat is on. <laughs> the heat is on. Okay. And on Facebook, we had Miss Rebecca Ayers. Good job. Good job. Woo-hoo. Making it up there. You got two, but there's still time. There's still time to catch up. Answer questions. Answer the questions. You can get your it. points. I did post it on Twitter again, and there looks to be a comment, but for some reason, it will not show it to me. So if you answered it on Twitter, send us a message. Screenshot it and send it. Yeah, because it it won't let me look at it. So let's see if you uh, got it right, maybe. Probably. We'll see. What's the answer? Oh, what's the question? What Italian island did the main suspects in the Monster of Florence call home? And that was Sardinia. Sardine. I kind of want to go there after I read about it. Sardinia is an enchanted island off of the west coast of the boot, (laughs) which is what we also call Louisiana. I know, right? And it is also home to the four main suspects of the Monster of Florence murders. Though few people believe these snack buddies were actually responsible. What? Like sardines? Com- Compagni, Compagni di Merende. Oh, oh. Snack buddies in parentheses. I don't know what that means. I don't. Okay. But apparently, whoever whoever did it trolled Lover's Lanes in Tuscany and killed eight man-woman couples between 1968 and 1985. Ew. Surprising them in their cars on moonless nights. That's cheating. Mm-hmm. Ooh. The method of death was either shooting or stabbing and sometimes post-mortem mutilation of genitals and or breasts of the women. What the fuck? Leave our titties alone. And our vaginas. Okay, I'm done. Preferably. Not going to read no more. No, I've, that was enough. Ugh. Okay, let's pick a new one. Ugh. <laughs> it makes my body hurt. All of it. 
Uh, All right. Okay, that was fine. New question. What unidentified serial killer is known as Scotland's Zodiac Killer? Ooh. I don't know, but read it again. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you knew the answer the way you said that. (laughs) Ooh. I know who the Zodiac Killer is. (laughs) No. <laughs> it, it, it's not the Zodiac Killer, and I, nobody I, knows who I, he is. I, that's why I said no. Wait, I mean I don't, but I know you know of him. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Okay, question <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, my bad. bad, my bad. What unidentified serial killer is known as Scotland's Zodiac Killer? All right, that's it. Time starts now. Yep. Answer the question. TikTok. You have till Friday. Do it. Do, do it, it, do it. All right, no. friends. Oh, it's time to go. We're done. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for hanging out with us. Don't forget to visit us on Facebook and Instagram for episode picks and announcements. Please rate and review on Apple, Spotify, and Facebook. We want to give a huge shout-out to Stephen Goetzke for editing, Craig Weaver for music, and our very own Amanda Hagen for art. Talk at you next week.